We thank you, God, for the deposit that has been made in the last two sessions. We're looking forward to whatever it is that you want to do, say, impart to us tonight. Through him, we bless him. In Jesus' name, we bless him. God, we ask that you would continue to expand his ministry. God, we thank you that he's really walking for you. He's not, he's not trying to make a name for himself. He's not trying to, um, he's not trying to build a, a brand. He's trying to find a way to instill hope in a generation. He's, he's, he's really got his heart set on making a mark in eternity. It's almost like it's almost like he had a dream or had a vision or had a kind of Genesis 12 moment with you where he caught a glimpse of what it would look like to walk by faith and the impact that one life lived could make on so many. And he's been grasping for it and praying for it and stewarding it and walking after it, trying to keep focused on it from then till now. God, establish that. Deepen it. Instill it in his kids. Protect his heart. Protect his wife's heart, God. I pray for continual renewal, continual refreshing. Anyone who's been in this thing very long has been sinned against, has been disappointed, has been betrayed. And I pray in Jesus' name for that resurrection love comes back to those who crucified and rejected and says still love you it's still for you I'm not holding it against you I never was you didn't know what you were doing I pray God that Eric would carry that that there would be people that he can't possibly preach to with words but he can preach to with love because he's been sinned against God, I thank you. That's the loudest sermon we ever preach is how we treat people who mistreat us. And I thank you, God, that you've given him a heart for the, for the broken. You've given him a heart for the addict. You've given him a heart for the orphan. You've given him a heart for the least. You've given him a heart for the last, for the lost, for the forgotten, for those who live in darkness in the shadow of death. He's found that a light is dawning. Amen. Well, you want to come on up here? <laughs> it's all good. I felt that, by the way. She probably knew already. That was awesome. I've enjoyed getting great, to know you. Great prayer, man. Great blessing. It's been fun. Ooh, Jesus. Shall we do a standard gateway welcome? Yeah. They keep leaving guitar picks up here. I don't know what that means. If you've ever seen the two rainbow YouTube, what does this mean? If you haven't seen it, go to YouTube and search the double rainbow and get ready to laugh your pants off. I'm wrecked. I'm a... So I, most of you have no idea. I just drove here 15 minutes ago from a sozo, and then you come and do more of that. What am I supposed to do now? I'm, 
trying to come out of that sozo going, now, how do you go preach after this? Do what? And, uh, and I'm, I'm sure, but this is. <laughs> this is kind of an insult. I don't know. <laughs> oh, wrong one. One of these. Woo. Look at this. Right there. Perfect. Thank you. They, uh, they have this awesome metal one. Oh, that table would have worked for me too. But that metal one that they have, that angle on that thing is so steep. Uh, it was a little rough. Okay. Well, uh, it's been awesome to be here, guys. Been having a good time? Uh, I, feel, I feel at home. I feel connected. I don't, here's a nice word we heard last night, right? I feel knitted. Come on, somebody. <laughs> they beat me to it. They start beating you to the punchline. I feel connected. It feels like home. Uh, Delaware, Maryland, this Delmarva area uh, has been in our heart for, uh, for uh, a good while now. We came in. Uh, can I just give you a little history so you know me a little bit? I mean, i just up here preaching, but you don't really know me, right? Um, uh, we came into this area uh, through our friends in Easton, Maryland, uh, whatever way that is from here. Um, probably, I think, in 07 it was, 07 or 08. Uh, I was uh, teaching, uh, has anyone in here ever heard of a guy named Dutch Sheets? Uh, uh, I was, he's a friend of ours that we're uh, in a network with and connected with, and we were, we were speaking at one of his conferences in uh, Colorado Springs, and a leader from... Uh, Eastern Maryland was at that conference, and uh, here's the way this will be. Can I put the humor to it? He knew he couldn't get Dutch to come to Easton, and he and he knew he couldn't get a couple other guys to come to Easton. But there's this kind of unknown bald guy that he just figured would just have an open spot in his calendar somewhere and needed something to do. So he came and asked me if I would come to Easton, and so anyways we did, and it was a, it was a divine appointment. And then the next year when we came back, uh, we did a weekend event in Bob Muncie, uh, which is he here tonight? He was going to try to make it, but um, from over in Greenwood, uh, was a part of that weekend, and Bob and I connected, and uh, through that connection, uh, been over at the House of Praise for All People a good few times, and we continue to come back to Easton. I've been to Easton, I think, every year. I've been there at least once since then, if not multiple times. I've been there up to three to four times in a year's time, uh, helping pour into what's going on there. Uh, and then out of our connection with Bob Muncie, uh, we've connected with some of all of you guys as friends uh, over at Harvest, Tom and Kim Borowski. Um, and then this past spring, or last year, 2015, we did uh, the Father's Heart Conference. Uh, they held at Eagle's Nest over in Milton, right? Um, over in Milton, I met Nikki Gonzalez. I th- I, she was here a minute ago, but I had to step out, I think. Uh, met her then, and then um, uh, another pastor in Georgetown, John Betts, at Abund- is Abundant Life, um, over there. Been there a couple times. And then um, somehow, uh, this we were here in the, we come every September pretty much. Bob Muncie opens his house to the Reader Six. That's a dangerous proposition. 
So uh, I have four kids. So my wife and I and our four kids come piling up in there for a week and usually book in, you know, on the weekends and do the beach in between and have a great time. It's kind of a family vacation time for us that allows us to connect and, uh, and do all that, which is awesome. And um, this past year in September when we were here, we did stuff the Sunday mornings and I did a conference, our the conference that we lead called a Hope is Here conference. Imagine that. Hope is Here conference uh, over in Easton, and Amber came uh, to that, and uh, we got to connect uh, there as well. Next thing I know, I'm getting this phone call from this guy named Tim Miller. Uh, my voicemail, hey, this is Pacious Tom Miller. He's running us going 100 miles an hour. I heard about you. Got into his own thing called Fresh. I don't know what a Fresh conference is, but it's sort of, sort of, yeah. it was, but would you come? <laughs> That's about the best I could do. That's probably probably really bad. I probably pulled that off about as good as that tall, about that high of a pulpit there. But I remember thinking to myself, well, this, oh, here. I don't sound like that. <laughs> All I know is, is that my voicemail was blown up. I was just like, whoa, this guy is serious. So anyways, it was awesome to get a chance to call him back. And uh, You guys are laughing like you know what I'm talking about or something. I don't know. He's, he may figure out this guy goes 100 miles an hour. Once he, oh, we're having dinner over at his house the other night, and, man, he's talking to me. Uh, anybody figure out that he likes this stuff called cologne or something? Oh, I found that out. First time I ever met the guy. Here he comes bringing bottles out into the... I was like, okay, here we go. Uh, I told my wife about it enough that you did that. I said, he brought all these weird smells out. I don't know what was going on. I learned that you like weird smells, and I thought to myself, and if you, well, I won't, I can't, well, never mind what you said. No. All I knew was, don't come smell my cologne. You'll think something bad of me. (laughs) Anyway, so. Yeah, yeah, he, he, yeah, don't go out and buy anything over at the JCPenney, right? Um. So anyways, that was all fun, and uh, so I was grateful to connect with them. We've been able to talk a couple times, and I was driving to Kentucky uh, when we got to talk the first time, so I'm on this three-hour drive, and man, we just, I was like, my, I was like five minutes in on the phone call, he's like diving in on atonement theories, and I was like, okay, let's talk. Mm. I mean, I'm like getting down the road, I was like, this is legit here, and so Anyways, that was pretty awesome. So Friday night, I show up at his front porch, knock on the door. I'm like, is this the right place? <laughs> and, uh, and the rest is history. Uh, so anyways, so some of those connections here in this area, we feel very at home. We feel like uh, in our heart, uh, the ministry we lead called Rise Movement, which is uh, many faceted, uh, but it's a, a network of leaders, uh, both uh, within uh, church ministry, within business ministry, uh, within home ministry. Think about that one. Home ministry. How many of you do some home ministry? No hands? Jesus, we're going to have to have a conference on home ministry next. Home ministry, taking care of your home or not, huh? So uh, we lead a network of leaders from across the nation. We're, we're thrilled to have leaders out of uh, 14 different states in the country connected with us. And what we're doing is we feel like the heartbeat of Father is releasing a global movement of hope. Anybody want to be a part of that? Uh, right? You know, matter of fact, I thought of this. We're just, uh, how many of you do Facebook? 
Everyone go on Facebook and friend me. If you're not already, make sure you're a friend on there. I tried to re-jump my Twitter account the other day. I don't do Twitter as much, I don't guess, but I try. Uh, but if you do the Facebook thing, follow me on there. Uh, we always use the hashtag, hope is here. So if you're posting something in that kind of regard, hashtag hope is here, and you'll be part of it. And the new hashtag that we're just getting off the ground is hashtag we are the hopeful. That is good. So I thought tonight when I was standing down there, for all of you that may buy a t-shirt or buy a necklace or buy a, a wristband or something uh, before you leave, yeah, I just thought of this. How cool would it be if you buy that, put that on, take a selfie, and then post it and just keep posting hashtag we are the hopeful. I don't know about you, but there's a whole movement that's rising in the earth that you and I are a part of. And what we're trying to do, man, is a a prayer was wrecking me, bro. Uh, but uh, we're just we're doing everything that we know to do to release as broadly and as far as we can across the earth that the that the reality of hope is a present reality. How many of you understood what we talked about this morning is a pretty significant situation, and we feel like uh, we're not the only ones in the game by any stretch of the imagination, but we've got to add our part to it, right? Like you've got to add your part, right? Uh, and so being in that together. Uh, uh, we just uh, we did about five conferences uh, of our own in five different regions of the nation uh, this year. Uh, we've uh, this upcoming year will be our third national conference called Rise Conference, which this year we're moving uh, up north as a Buckeye. I can't even believe I'm doing this, but we're having our Rise Conference 2017 in Michigan. He said I've been sinned against, so I will be a message of love as I go up towards my Michigan brothers. As a Buckeye, you can imagine how rough that is. But uh, anyways, we have a great friend network, uh, part, of our, part of our team up in Port Huron, Michigan, and we just feel the prophetic significance of the Lord as their city is located right at the tip of Lake Huron, where it comes into a river and flows out of there, and the significance of what the Father's speaking about rivers and the current, their church is called Cross Current, so that's pretty awesome. So we just feel this prophetic significance of what's being released out of the north, right? Gets to flow down out of the many waters. I can just keep going. I haven't even got my mind focused on it yet, but we hear God. So we're going to go to that city uh, and uh, all together from around the country. You would love to have you. You're more than welcome. Pastor Tim, maybe he ought to come and teach a slot on this artful soul deal. I started, oh Jesus, I got about six points down again yesterday morning and I thought I can't take any more right now. It's too good. Um, Dude, I dig this kid, man. I dig this kid. Because you know what he's doing, don't you? He's just living sonship. I'm after my dad, and I don't care about y'all. Deal with it. I'm after dad. Come on, somebody. Let's preach this thing. So we'd love to have you come to Rise Conference. If you can, our website, generationsrise.com. That's generations with an S, generationsrise.com. Information will be there, uh, et cetera. Uh, We also have an online... I'm I'm trying to find new language because I don't think the words online school is helpful for what we're trying to do, but it's the best we got so far. But we've launched an online uh, online courses maybe uh, would be helpful that you can uh, go. We've got three courses available to you right now. The first one is called The Foundations of Hope. 
10 hours worth of stuff that we begin to unpack this morning that I would invite you uh, to enroll in because the good news is, is it's online, which means it's accessible anywhere. Anywhere you've got Wi-Fi and a device, you can click in and receive. It's on your time, on your terms, and your schedule. Glory to God. That ought to let you know that we homeschool because we do it our way, on our time, on our schedule. And so I wanted to provide that for the body of Christ. Do it on your time, at your place. Do you realize that to go to Bible college somewhere or to go to school, the amount of money that is just in the housing to move there, let alone the the tuition you pay? Well, what if you could just pay a fraction and not have to move anywhere? Okay, you don't like good deals? Never mind. Just keep loading the U-Haul. I'm just kidding. So our first class, 10 hours, called The Foundations of Hope, we released last year in 2015. This year in 2016, we released two classes that are five hours each. The first one is called Hope Awakened Sonship. Who? Who? Jesus. You need that class. Uh, and our second one's called The Future According to Hope. How many of you would maybe like to see that the Bible tells us something different than what Tim LaHaye has? Okay. There is, there is a reality in the goodness of Father that does not have the future ending in calamity and chaos. Watch how hard that is for us to believe. Watch how hard it... Do you mean to tell me the world's not going to fall apart? Yes, the world is not going to fall apart. The world is going to have discipled nations. All right, you guys have a good week. I'll be back next time. We'll see you later. (laughs) Woo, that's called a lead balloon if I've ever seen one. It's all right. You can go in there and get five hours to understand what we're talking about in that because it's a very needed portion because if we don't, let, let me say it to you this way. Whatever you believe the future is will demand your present action. How you perceive the future determines your present activity. And so if you believe that there's nothing but a wreck to come, you won't do anything to fix anything. So then a wreck will come. It's called self-fulfilling prophecy. But if you understand that the heartbeat of a good father does not have time and history ending in collapse, but in victory, is there anything God's ever in that does not end up better than it was? What about your life? Has your life got better since God's in it? So whatever God gets into, it gets better, right? Did God come into history? And you're going to tell me it's going to end worse? Not a chance. So anyways, you'll you'll enjoy that. I'll leave that alone because it's time to move on to something else. (laughs) My wife and I, Angela, she's amazing. She's a... Well, I'll leave that alone, too, because I don't have enough time to tell you about how awesome she is, but she is a fantastic lady, unbelievable wife, amazing mom uh, of four, and uh, homeschools, uh, runs a business, is just uh, runs my life. She has to deal with me. 
That's all you need to know about her. You got that. Uh, She's a fantastic lady. We've got four kids, two older boys. uh, That's 12 and 9, Ezekiel David and Nehemiah Justice. I can preach all their names, but I'll skip that for tonight. And two girls that are 6 and 3, Elizabeth Cadence and Liberty Hope. Uh, Okay, I'll preach their names. Ezekiel David. Ezekiel means God's strength. David means beloved, so God is strengthening his beloved. Nehemiah Justice. Nehemiah is the comfort of God. Justice is the right right relationship of God. Nehemiah is the apostolic builder. So God is building in the earth those that will move in justice. Elizabeth Cadence. The name Elizabeth means God is covenant. Elizabeth Cadence, the cadence, the rhythm, the beat in which we move. So God is releasing a generation that will move in the rhythms of his covenant. When we were going to name Elizabeth Cadence, a good friend of mine in Oklahoma who's got a master's degree in classical guitar, and I told him we were going to name her Elizabeth Cadence, uh, and uh, he was like, well, that's cool. Um, and he said, did you know that in classical music and classical understanding, cadence is not just known or just seen as just any typical rhythm or beat, but in classical understanding, the word cadence is specifically the rhythm and beat that signals the ending of a movement and the beginning of a new one. Ow, I lost my mind! <laughs> about jumped out of the car. I'm not even kidding you. When he said those words, I about, woo! So Elizabeth Cadence is the signal that the covenant of God concluded it And so then in February of, how old's my daughter? <laughs> February of 2012, we hear in our heart, it's time for liberty, hope, in the earth. And we knew that I had to do prophetically with what Father's heart was releasing, but we also knew that it had to do with our next child. And so thankfully, on July the 2nd, we thought it was going to be July 4th. That was our due date. Liberty, hope, was born And when she was born on July 2nd, because I'm not a history buff, I did not know this. Because we thought, well, how cool is this going to be that Liberty is going to be born on July 4th? We'll take that. That'll be pretty awesome. So she was born on on July 2nd. We're like, eh, shucks. But then we found out that the, the Declaration of Independence was actually wrote originally and signed on July 2nd. And then rewritten and signed officially on July 4th. I had no idea. And so there she was. It's just an awesome deal. And for the, well, I don't know if I want to be too personal or not, but that baby was the only baby that took a while to get pregnant, if that makes sense. And so somehow it landed at that date. Never mind. It's just cool. It's just cool stuff. So we love our kids. We live on my, we, we live on my wife's uh, great-grandfather bought a dairy farm, 144 acres a long time ago, and she got to grow up on that farm with her gran- grandparents next door, and now we live in what was her grandparents' house right beside her mom and dad, so our kids are growing up with their grandparents right next door, and our girls are sitting on the same counter that my wife sit on, uh, learning to bake pies from her grandma, and they're sitting there learning to bake pies. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Tim's been making fun of me all week because I'm on another eating program, high protein, high fats, no carbs, because if I don't do something to keep my weight down, it does not stay down on its own. I found that out because I eat too many pies. 
I have Betty Crocker for a wife uh, who is constantly baking and cooking and making something, so it is very difficult for me to remotely stay in any kind of physique like this. So I've, um, I've walked with the Lord my whole life. Um, I awakened to the reality of his goodness when I was eight years old. Uh, I was baptized in a cold water tank, just like you guys had today, with zero hot water in it. It was a cow's trough brought into a building, and I was nine years old, and I was dunked in that thing, and I came out in the power of the Holy Spirit going bananas. I don't know if it was from the cold water or his fire. I'm still trying to figure that out, but we had quite an encounter with the Lord. Uh, we've just, uh, and I've always said it like this uh, because there's a lot of times a lot of people like these, you know, I told you the testimony of my spiritual son that was a heroin addict for 15 years. You know, those are a powerful and awesome and extremely dramatic testimonies that are fantastic. And as a, as a teenager and as a kid, I used to somewhat be like, I don't have like some crazy story testimony. And I used to almost like feel bad about that. Like maybe I should go out and screw my life up for a while and then like come back and then I'll have a testimony and it'll really glorify God, right? Uh, but the reality is, is I come to recognize that when you've tasted the best, you never want to go to second. And so when you've tasted the best early in your life and you have an awakening to, to his goodness and the reality of all of that, there's no need to go try anything else, right? Uh, and so in his goodness and by his grace, we've walked with him uh, our entire life. We did ministry all through our teen years. We started uh, public Bible school or Bible clubs and public high schools, started Bible studies in our home, used to gather 50, 60 teenagers in my parents' living room. They love that idea, didn't they? And so we used to have a great time. We did music back in the day, uh, all of those kind of things. I've had art go around the world when uh, uh, winning awards. I've had art hung in the National Holocaust Museum in Washington, D.C. for the glory of God, uh, releasing what we released to communicate the goodness of God all of our lives. I was hired as a youth pastor when I was 19. My wife and I were married when we were 20. We're no longer 20. 2017, we get to celebrate 20 years of marriage. It's been fantastic and awesome. And somehow, because how good she is, it keeps getting better and better. Uh, and we're just enjoying that. Um, we were in ministry in a small youth ministry when I was uh, in our early days in Ohio. And then we left there and went to Denver, Colorado. And was part of a mega church there that saw about 12,000 people a week. And we worked with about 700, in, uh, 700 inner city uh, youth every week. Uh, I was a white boy from the cornfields of southern Ohio that was into punk rock music, wore choker chains, choker collars, and chain wallets, and had spiked orange hair when I had hair. And they took me and shoved me in Denver, Colorado in front of 700 black, urban, Mexican, hip-hop kids, and I went, what do I do now? It was a tremendous experience for me. I wish, I'd always wish that we had other, we just simply don't have anybody but white people where I live. I mean, I went to a, a high school of 1,000 kids. We had two black kids. That's just the reality of where we live. We always wanted other races around us. And it's when we got to go uh, to Denver and get to connect and be a part of a, a, an amazing black and Hispanic culture uh, that we were able to lead and work with. It was fantastic. And we left there and went to Tampa, Florida and planted a church uh, there and then moved back home. And all of a sudden I went, where are all my happy people? Because white people just are not as happy as the ones that have darker skin. 
man, I just thought, where are they at? I, I get up here and I teach to all these white crowds now. And they're like, <laughs> thinking to myself, somebody up in here. <laughs> whoop, whoop. So anyway, so then that's been our journey. And then uh, again, we've been on staff uh, doing stuff around the country for quite a while uh, on staff of other churches and then birthed. Uh, Rise movement three years ago, and we're extremely thrilled at what God's doing. We are unlocking and unpacking a movement of hope so that we unveil Father's goodness and unlock sons in the earth. Anybody want to see something like that happen? Amen. Uh, we, love, we need help partners. We need help. We need to, those that would get in this with us and help this go forward. We're currently uh, in, a, in a passion to get across uh, the doors that the Lord would open in our nation and other nations of the earth to impart the reality of a new renaissance. We've talked some about that this weekend, but we feel that this, I thought of this driving over here. I don't know how I missed it, but I missed it until I was driving over here. Uh, that we had the opportunity for, for me, this has been a great for all of us, but for Eric Reader personally this weekend, one, I've received so much in being here, uh, but one of the significance I saw in this, Tim, I didn't see it to start with, is that in our heartbeat to release a new renaissance, this weekend has kind of been a uh, first step in some of, those, uh, some of those things we're trying to put together, and we're getting to do it out of the first state. I totally dig that. I doesn't necessarily, anyways, I just dig it. I think God does cool things like that. And so out of the first state, uh, out of a place called Gateway, we get to be a part of unreleasing that which is flowing out of Father's heart, literally into the nation. Is it all right if we think beyond ourselves for a minute and realize that we, actually all that we've gained for ourselves and for this house this weekend in this room has been amazing, but yet there's even a bigger picture of what Father's doing, and he's releasing something into the earth realm that's going to saturate the earth so that generations from now, that which we're learning right now out of this weekend will be commonplace. It'll be how the church functions. It'll be what the earth is moving with because sons are awakening to the unveiling of the goodness of Father. And we're going to increasingly move away from the wrong perceptions of a veiled, distorted view of Father that has him angry and mad and judgmental because that's not what Jesus showed, he's, showed us he's like. And if Jesus didn't show us he's like that, then he's not like that. And so we're moving in that direction, and so we're just trying to add our part, follow what we feel the Lord has given us to do. Uh, we love to have hope partners. We love to have you a part of this. Hey, take a T-shirt and put a selfie. We are the hopeful. There's a movement that God's doing in the earth, and I am just simply passing on the invitation to be a part of that with us. Amen? So let me talk just briefly. I brought this up the other night. If you want to turn to Revelation 21, we've got the rest of the night because I don't leave until tomorrow. Um, so we'll be good. Revelation 21. I absolutely love the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation is one of the easiest books of the whole Bible. It's one of the, and I'm not even kidding. It's one of the easiest books of the whole Bible. It's actually one of the, one of, if not the only book that tells you exactly what the book's about as soon as you start reading it. Revelation chapter one, verse one. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ. It, and help me, it's not the book of revelations. There is no S on it because there's not a plural revelation. There is only one revelation of Jesus. He is the true picture and only picture of Father. And the book of Revelation is the unveiling and the revealing of Jesus. Well, what about... No, it all... If you read it, read it to see Jesus. 
It's not about some events. It's not about something in the future. It's not about some other thing that we want to call an antichrist. It's not even mentioned in the book of Revelation. The book is about Jesus. So what does this book of 22 chapters tell you about Jesus? If you want to read, if you read the book for something other than that, you're misreading what that book is for. That's why it said, blessed are those who receive that which is written. Because if you see Jesus, there's nothing more blessed than you can be. Am I right about it? So Revelation 21. Someone stole it. Someone ripped it out of the back of my Bible. Where'd it go? Revelation 21, all of it's good. Verse 1, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. What an amazing deal when you understand that in Jewish tradition, in the Hebraic day of the temple and the tabernacle, the inner courts was called the heavens and the outer court was called the earth. For the outer court didn't have a roof. It was natural light that shined in. And so it would shine in uh, and that was called the earth out there in the Holy of Holies, the inner place where God and man met together was called the heavens and so the old earth and the old heavens passed away the temple left the temple was done away with and a new heavens a new earth a new reality here and a new reality of God and man meeting is now in Christ not in a box so it's an amazing deal just to start there whoa that's not even where I wanted to but I couldn't help it Verse 9, is, uh, I just want us to see this. And then, uh, uh, then came the one of the seven angels who had seven bowls f- full of the seven plagues and smoke, saying to me, Come and I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. Okay, there's a hint. We're going to get a glimpse of the bride. Ready? Let's look at her. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me a holy city, the holy city Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven. So what's the bride? What's the bride? The bride is the city. Because you can see it in verse 2. And I saw a holy city, a new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. So the city is the bride. The city is you and I. Who's the bride of Christ? Me. Who's the unveiled? When does the veil come off? Think about a wedding. When does the veil come off? After the pronouncement of marriage? You may kiss the bride. We are those of unveiled faces. We are those that the veil has been taken off. We are those that have been married. Whoa. I'm not, I'm not, oh Jesus. Okay, that's not what I'm working on tonight. The great holy city coming down from heaven, having the glory of God, is radiance like the most rare jewels, like Jasper clears a crystal. It had a high, a great high wall with 12 gates, and the gates had 12 angels, and on the gates were the 12 tribes of the sons of Israel were inscribed, and on the east three, and on the north there are three, on the south there are three, and on the west there are three, and all the walls of the city had 12 foundations, and one of them, or on them were the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb, verse 15, and the one who had spoke to me had a measuring rod of gold, God spoke to me four years ago and said, you better change the measuring rod or you're not going to get this thing right. How are you measuring things? 
by what's the standard you measure. How are you measuring what's going on here at Gateway? How are you measuring what's going on in the nation? How are you measuring what's going on in your heart or in your mind? What's the measuring rod that you're holding up to see if this thing's plumb and square? Because we've got a whole lot of measuring rods we use that are not accurate and we're actually going wrong because the, the measuring rod we're using is not the one that needs to be used. This specifically applied to me a few years ago because in Acts chapter 19, the Apostle Paul had spent all of his life as a Christian and as an apostle traveling the entire known world on missionary trips, right? His missionary journeys, going everywhere, going to synagogues, preaching to everybody, big crowds, move on to the next one, write letters, go to the next city, go, I mean, and then all of a sudden in Acts 19, he comes into a place called Ephesus and he gets into the temple there and nobody in Ephesus wanted to hear a word he had to say. It was a bunch of stiff-necked people that refused to hear from the apostle. Paul said, okay, I'm going to get these 12 guys and I'm going to go over there and I'm going to sit down for two years and don't do anything but teach these 12 guys. Now, you might not be someone that travels a lot like I am. You might not be someone that's always booking and always working to go where you need to go next and do. But the mindset that that takes and the mindset that you get in to be able to live in that kind of scenario, Paul was living that. (coughs) And all of a sudden, Paul's calendar's not booked. And all of a sudden, Paul's not flying somewhere to preach at the next big conference. And Paul's not going here, and Paul's not going there, and Paul doesn't have big crowds. Always he's got 12 guys sitting in the same, same room every day. You might not realize this, but I realize this. That would drive someone crazy unless you changed your measuring rod. Because what was required in that moment was a different strategy than what Paul had been moving in for all the years previously. It was no longer about traveling a region. It was about pouring into these 12 And if he used the same measuring rod to grade his success from his days of traveling to grade his success in the days of his sitting down with the 12, he'd have drove himself crazy. So you got to find the measuring rod for the season you're in now, not the season that you've been in before. The 12 with the gold measuring uh, to measure the city and its gates and its walls and the cities were four square, its length as the same of his height, and he measured the city and the rods, and there they are, 12,000, whatever. Here's what I want you to see. The length and the width and the height are equal. So we see this picture of the cube, right? This somewhat started for me about five or six years ago. My spiritual father, when we were at a conference at the end of his, I don't even know what he preached for this whole session. It was, I'm sure it was amazing because it always is. But literally, the last sentence he said, and which was really not even connected to his message, he just said the words, anything that's satanic is built like a pyramid and everything that's built by God is a cube. And went and sit down. And I went, you shouldn't have sit down right there. You better keep talking. I don't even think he knew what he said because I kind of asked him about it later. He was like, I don't know. It just seemed to make sense. Yes, 
It did, and it wouldn't leave me alone for a long time, especially that was in a moment where I was, uh, where I was fully engaged in imparting this revelation of generational synergy of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob running together so that Joseph's are produced that will sit at the seat of nations and influence and govern things the way they're supposed to be governed. I'm in the middle of that thinking three generations. All of a sudden, I'm thinking cube. I'm thinking three-dimensional. I'm thinking three generations. I'm seeing all these pieces to come together, and the reality is, is there is a, there is a place of significance and the understanding of God that he has arranged things to move dimensionally. Here's what I want us to see and what I'm, uh, what I've been walking in and what I'm, uh, feel like father's inviting us into is again, that those that are in a place, or let me say it like this, that there are many that are still in the place that need to be awakened But in many cases, there are already those who are awakened and now they need reformed. And in some cases, there are those who have been reformed that it's now time to build. In other words, it's time to birth. It's time to have a renaissance. And so we have in this era where God is leading things forward in there. Can we talk big picture for a minute? Is that all right? Is it okay? Okay, good. If you don't want to, I can come back to something else. I'll find... I got plenty to say. <laughs> yes. It is a progression. Yes. Renaissance. Yeah. I, I, the way I heard it in 2013, I was sitting in my office studying, and Father said to me, those that have been awakened will be reformed. And those who are reformed, I'm not talking reformed theology, I'm talking about reformed, I'm talking about change, awakened, redone, reshapened, uh, reshapened. Is that even a word? Um, so re- re- reformed and those that are reformed will build. And he said to me in 2013, it's time to build and there's going to become new works of the kingdom springing up everywhere. And so I was like, okay. And so the update to that language for me now is the revelation of Renaissance because reformation reshapes something that is, but Renaissance bursts something that's not there. So renaissance is a birthing. And so we're in an era of history where father has been, we've been, uh, people talk about, and maybe some of you hear this, the language from some prophetic streams and stuff that we're headed to this third or great awakening or whatever number you want to put on it, uh, that we're moving into a great awakening in the earth. My announcement is, is that we're already there. We're in an awakening. It's not something that's coming. It's something that's happening. And there are many that are being awakened that once you're awakened, you have to do something about the awakening you just had, which is you have to allow it to reform you. You have to no longer be conformed to the patterns that you used to be in, but you must be transformed, reformed by the renewing of your mind. Your thinking must become different. Your understanding must become different. And so we are reshaped by the word. Am I right about it? And so those that are being reformed, that's on many levels. I don't know about you, but I've been reformed spiritually, mentally, emotionally. I'm losing all kinds of weight, so physically. We're reformed. We're, I'm reformed in my strategies. I'm being reformed in my understanding. I've been reformed in the way I go at things. I'm reforming the language and even the words that I use. Dude, I love this kid. I'm never going to forget this one. Love it. But I used to be, I've been, literally, I've been a crisscross America from corner to corner, 
crisscrossing the United States since 2007, pounding the pulpits about awakening and reformation. And Father awakened me to the reality that reformation is not the end point. Reformation's the means. So reformation's not the goal, it's the means to get to the goal. And renaissance is actually the goal because we're in an era that we must see new birthing and new building rise out of what we've reformed through so that that which we've been awakened to and reformed in, we will now produce in the earth. You following me? So we're in an age now of awakening, reformation, and renaissance. I just happen to be a uh, part of my uh, journey is, is that I'm out here on a renaissance edge now trying to blow a trumpet to those who's been through awakening and through reformation saying, we're not done yet. It's just time for renaissance. So we're moving now into an era that that which we've been being transformed into is to now emerge and be built into the earth. So we're going to have to see new aspects of the body of Christ set into place. This congregation is going to have to find the way you're supposed to see the reality of your function now, not what it was then. Okay. Elbow your neighbor and say, get ready to reform. No, just kidding. Don't really do that. I saw dudes, don't know. Hmm. So the reality is, is you and I, what I, I think I said, I can't remember, I think I said it this morning, was it this morning I said about the, uh, about the new wineskins, about being flexible and a lot, we've got to become very okay with things shifting and moving. We've got to become very okay with, I said this Friday night, we've got to be very okay with things being uncomfortable. That's part of our reforming. This weekend has awakened some things. Am I right about it? Have you been awakened to some things this weekend? You're like, holy cow. I don't necessarily just mean in something I'm teaching. I'm just talking in the glory of God moving among us. There's just things that are awakened within us. It's like, yes, and sometimes that awakening is simply confirmation of something you've had in your heart already, but you weren't willing to fully embrace yet. But when confirmation comes, pow, and you take it in, right? And so when you take it in, you begin to allow that word to reshape shape you. I think I remember a story in Jeremiah 18, right? There's called a potter and a clay. We're going to crash this thing down so we can build it again. It's Jeremiah chapter one. It's about, it's about, um, how's it go? Uh, you're going to, uh, tear down. You're going to destroy. You're going to uproot. You're going to overthrow. Then you're going to build or then you're going to plant and you're going to build. Holy smokes. That's five things about deconstruction before you get to anything that's construction. So you and I oftentimes are those that are going through the process of reformation where things are being deconstructed because things are being planted, which speaks about the future, and things are being built, which speaks about the present. You and I are in a moment of building, and you and I are in a moment of planting if you're those that's been through deconstruction. Anybody been through some deconstruction? Anybody in some deconstruction? Anybody having so many things messed with, you don't know what to say you're in. It just is. Friday night was significant when we talked about the dust settling. What happens in deconstruction? Imploding and then all the big dust cloud, right? And then a wind comes and blows through and settles the dust. And you see a bunch of rubble. That's encouraging. Now what? 
Right, Tim? <laughs> now what? Now what is a renaissance? That's why I'm giving you tonight out of Revelation 21, I'm giving you a building pattern. It's the building pattern of the kingdom. It's three-dimensional. This new renaissance is the three dimensions of goodness, of beauty, and of progress. This renaissance that we're in, three-dimensional height, width, and depth, will be the building pattern of goodness, beauty, and progress. That which is being built in the earth right now will be based around the goodness of Father, the beauty of sonship, and the progress of glory. Jesus. I can't even believe Tim said the words that I saw a glimpse of something like Genesis 12. I'm just standing here seeing glimpses like crazy of what this new building is going to look like. What's it going to be like when communities like this are overtaken by the goodness of Father? They're living out the beauty of sonship that's engaged and involved in the progress of glory. That's what's being offered to us from heaven. Will we participate or will will we be so set in the way we've always done it? The worst words for any progress, the most toxic language to ever have among us is the statement, we've never done it this way before. I think that means it's time for me to get my Toyota Prius and head back to Ohio. The most toxic words that we can ever carry inside of ourselves is we've never done it this way before. And the most toxic words that we can carry together as a body is never done it this way before. Those words are based out of a critical spirit. Those words are based out of a spirit of religion. Those words are based out of a spirit of pride because you think you know the way it's supposed to be. I'm coming to this kind of place in my life. I almost don't know how to say it other than this. I've just come to this place that unless we're really, truly willing to move into what Father's doing now, we should just shut the doors and go home and go to the beach on Sunday or something. I don't, I'm not, I, don't, I don't mean to mess too much, but there's just simply no point of us sitting in this room if we're just doing what's always been done. Because I don't know if you, I think you've probably figured this out. What we've always done has not got the job done. It's got some jobs done. I'm not, I'm not, it's got some jobs done. But how many can recognize there's a whole lot more to get done? There's a whole lot more glory to be revealed in the earth. But we're too busy sitting around picking and griping about everything's not just the way we think it up. This renaissance that you're being invited into as gateway, as an opening into this region that Father is saying, would this house be a gateway of this new reformation is going to be that which is centered on goodness and beauty and progress. I feel like this weekend, these three sessions that we've had together has given us a glimpse 
of each of those pieces as we focus on Father's goodness, as we focus on the reality of our sonship. And tonight, maybe I just thought I would conclude by giving us a piece concerning the progress of glory. Because you might need to see this, maybe you've never seen it or, or, or understood it this way, but in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, it talks about this concept. I love the whole chapter of 2 Corinthians chapter 3. You just, or the third chapter, the whole third chapter of the 2 Corinthians is, is stellar. Verse 12, I can't get past it, so I have to start there because this is our foundational hope for a global movement of hope. 2 Corinthians 3.12 says, Since we have this hope, we are very bold. And not like Moses, who had put a veil on his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. Now, wait a second. I thought Moses had to put that veil on his face because his face was shining so bright the Israelites couldn't look at it. That's what was going on at the beginning at Mount Sinai. If I had a whiteboard up here, maybe I'll get a marker and just use this. <laughs> if I had a whiteboard here, I would draw for you a little sketch that would show you a mountain representing Mount Sinai. And we all know that at the top of Mount Sinai, the, old, the, the law was inscripted on the stones, right? It's where Moses received them. Well, can I submit this to you? That it was that moment was the apex of the glory of the law. In other words, the glory of the law started at its zenith and it declined from there. It was a declining glory. It had an expiration date set on it from the beginning. Like the hamburger in your refrigerator. There was an expiration date on that thing that it's going to be bad after this moment. But the old covenant, the law received by Moses, was a declining glory. It was a fading glory. Thanks, Walmart, for that clothes brand. Sorry, I couldn't help it. I just, whoop, whoop. I have never said that before, but I'm sitting there talking, and all I'm seeing is Walmart clothes right in front of my eyes. It's a fading glory. If you don't know. That's kind of Walmart altogether, isn't it? That's kind of a fading glory. Who calls your clothes fading glory? What a horrible name. What was Sam Walton thinking? Wow. Okay. So this fading glory off of this mountain, it was forever in, it was forever, uh, intended and designed to fade away. Because can you hear this? It, the, the law was such a distortion of father, he wasn't really interested in it being what people lived by. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 4, nope, verse 6, nope, verse 5. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything is coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God who has made us competent to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Look at verse 7. Now, if the ministry of death... What? What? Paul 
is calling the law a ministry of death? I feel like if I walked into 95% of the churches in America and stood up and said, the law is the ministry of death. I'd just be like, y'all didn't read Paul or what? Look at this. If the ministry of death carved on stones came with such a glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of its glory, which was being brought to an end. Will not the... I feel like I'm a little loud, bro. Is it loud out there? Okay, okay, you guys are fine. Whatever, you're good. Maybe it's these monitors are on tonight. Will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? For if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation... Now he's calling it the ministry of condemnation. The ministry of righteousness must far exceed it in its glory. Indeed, this is the case. What once had glory has come to have no glory at all because of the glory that surpasses it. For if what was being brought to an end came with such a glory, much more will that which is permanent have glory. We're not in a fading situation. We're in a permanent situation. We're in a better covenant founded on better promises. You want to know what those promises are? The old covenant was based on if you sin, you die. The new covenant promises are if you sin, you're forgiven. Just nuts and bolts make that easy. That is the reality of the new covenant we're in. It was the law. Can I say this? Just chew on it with me. Because I maybe I'm not right. I mean that. Maybe I'm not. But it was the law who condemned people to death, not God. It was the law that released punishment, not God. And because Israel wanted the law, they wanted it as a slave mentality, as an orphan nature that spent four plus centuries living under the tyranny of the whip, That if you did something incorrectly, you would be punished. Came to the bottom of Mount Sinai. I got my little thing out here because I was trying to draw it enough. Mount Sinai. Here's the law. The tablets. They're all down here at the bottom of Mount Sinai. And God is saying, everyone come up here and hear my voice. Come and know my heart. In other words, come and live by the Spirit. Breath. My voice. Come and live by the Spirit has always been the offer of Father. And Israel said, Mm-mm, no chance. Because if that guy just beat Pharaoh, and we know what Pharaoh did, and if this guy's bad enough to take out Pharaoh, I'm not messing with that joker. Someone better tell me what he wants so I can do what he wants so he doesn't punish me. Because a list to live by is always easier than relationship. 
Relationship is always, always, can you hear this? Relationship is always messier than a task list to live by. If my wife just gives me a list to do every day to make her happy, that's pretty simple. Well, maybe it wouldn't be, but it would be easier. But without a list, I'm just totally left up to know her heart. And that takes a whole lot more work than a list to live by. Do you know that the standard of love is actually higher than the law? Do you realize love demands more than the law did? Do you ever look at Acts chapter 3 at the gate beautiful where the broken leper man was sitting at the gates of the temple beautiful day after day while people went past the brokenness on the way to fulfill the law? Until Peter and John showed up and they could not follow the law, but they had to stop and fix what was broken because love demands you to fix what's broken instead of passing it by on the way to your rituals. I'm over these people that want to, oh Jesus, let me back myself back down. I am over those that want to criticize people that preach grace like they're giving people permission to sin. Love demands way more than the law ever demanded. Never mind, I had to get that off my chest. So the law started at its zenith, up here at its apex, the shining glory of Moses' face up here that the Israelites couldn't even look at it. It was just screaming glory. So much so that it had to be veiled. But it was from there that this glory declined. The coolest thing about the new covenant is it didn't start it at Zenith. It started down here in a little manger. This is going to be crazy challenging upside down. Can you see the little manger? Here's some hay sticking out of it. I told you I had art pieces in galleries and pay attention to my artwork. (laughs) So the new covenant starts at its lowest point. The one who humbled himself. Started at its lowest point, the little mustard seed. that seems insignificant and like nothing, but will grow to be the dominant tree of the garden. It's like that little piece of leaven that you can't even see that ends up taking over the entire loaf. That's what this thing's like. It's down here, starting here, and starts increasing and increasing and increasing and forever increases. It goes through the cross. Am I right about it? It goes through the resurrection. That's the stone rolled away, and there's the tomb entry. Goes through the ascension. Am I right? goes through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and goes through the launch of the church. Over here, all the while, all the while, the Old Covenant is forever declining. In this section right here, can anyone see this? Jeremiah wrote about it once. He said to the Israelites, you've come to a crossroads. And you better decide this day which path you're going to follow. Will you follow the path of declining on into full and utter destruction? Or will you change directions and now embrace and move in the better covenant? Those that remained on the path of the old covenant found themselves after 40 years of grace in the year 70 AD 
with the destruction of Jerusalem by the invading army of Rome led by Titus that came in from the northeast corner, Gog and Magog, came down, came down through the entryway of the northeast corner of the city, surrounded Jerusalem and absolutely wiped out everything that there was of the temple so that not one stone was left on another as Jesus prophesied it to be. Forty years of grace, Father gave those, because when did the crucifixion happen? A.D. 30? Right? A.D. 30, 40 years of grace, Jesus said in Matthew 24, this generation, what generation? The generation watching the crucifixion. Will not pass away until all these things happen, until every stone is knocked down off of the other, until there's not anything left until there's wars and rumors of wars and pestilence and famines, and it's going to be bananas at the end of this covenant. Forty years of grace, God gave all of those that saw the crucifixion, 40 years, just like the 40 years they walked through the wilderness, he gave them opportunity to come out of that covenant and step into this covenant. And after 40 years, destruction, all of the wrath of the law that was built up from the blood of Abel was poured out on this generation. What generation? The generation of 70 AD, the conclusion of the law that was to be forever erased and demolished and obsolete, no longer to be the way we understand God. Boom! Kick the end out of the tomb! Let's do this thing! And you and I are now those of an ever-increasing glory because the kingdom now is like leaven. It does, it's not shrinking. It's not declining. It's ever-increasing, ever-expanding. Well, who's told me the vision of the purple gook on the wall? That was Lisa today. Uh, anyway, she didn't even listen to me. She's caught up in heaven over here. We're part of an ever-increasing glory. That's a tree. This, The mustard seed becomes the dominant tree of the garden to which the birds come and perch on its branches. Prophetically in scripture, birds are always a representation of nations. The kingdom of God is growing in the earth so that which nations can perch themselves and set themselves, build on the solid rock foundation of the goodness of Father instead of on the shifting sands of man's ideology, be it communism or socialism or Marxism or atheism or whatever other ism and humanism that you want to build the shaky sands of the foundations of your nation on. When the storms come crashing in, your nation will collapse and crumble. But those that are built on the solid rock, the foundation of Jesus and his kingdom will be the nation that are perched on the branch of the of the mustard tree so that they are the ones that get to flourish in all the nations. Someone say all will be discipled to perch on the branch of the mustard tree. Economic systems built the way God designed them to be. Homes and families built the way and running the way God intended them to be. Social life and media and, uh, and economics and go down to education, just go down the list of that which is constructed within a culture, a society, will be reformed and reshaped. It's a renaissance. We, oh, man, I'm about to lose my mind. It's a new renaissance of a day that uh, is... Sh- Shifting and shaping, reshaping the way we do culture, reshaping the way we do life. Because the kingdom is an ever-advancing glory 
that's overshadowing seeing the failures of socialism and the failures of communism and the failures of, of humanism and the failures of atheism and the failures of every other ism, failures of Islam and failures of, of, all, of everything else that has not been able to sustain. We've now come to the place that you want an aha moment? All that stuff failed y'all. Let me show you what doesn't fail you. But you and I are too busy trying to see if Sunday morning is going to go the way we want it to go. And we're too busy coming out from among them and being ye separate. That creates a vacuum that evildoers fill. And it becomes the covenant breakers that disciple nations instead of the covenant keepers. And then we wonder why things are declining. And then we want to say, oh, that's what God's wanted all along. I'm trying to talk to you about the progress of glory. Let's just pick this up and I'll finish. Verse 15. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. What? Whenever the law is taught, whenever wrath and judgment and anger is taught, it puts a distortion over people's eyes to see. Even to this day. The majority of Christianity does nothing but live out of the concept of anger and wrath and judgment because they live based off of the law instead of based off of Jesus. Verse 16, but when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Woo! Anybody getting some veils removed? Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? There is Freedom from what? Come on, think one step deeper. That was Sunday school answer. Freedom from the veil? So you're free to see Father correctly? And you're free to understand yourself correctly? I just marked in my Bible like crazy. I didn't mean to do that. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. In this chapter, I'll conclude with this, I can make it quick. In this chapter, there's two glories it's talked about. There's the glory of the old covenant, the glory of the ministry of death, right? Remember we read that? It came with such a glory that Moses had to put this veil over his face. So there was a glory that was in that. And then there's this glory of the new covenant of the spirit, right? The ministry of life comes with a surpassing glory. Then at the end of this chapter, we see Paul write so that we are moving from glory to glory. We are moving from the glory of an old covenant into the glory of the new covenant. Hear this statement. 
Glory to glory is not evolutionary. We are not evolving into more glory. We're already set in full glory. You better catch this. I'm about to get serious up in here. Because if we get this peace, guys, this totally, totally transforms our situation. Because when we live from the idea, most translations say of that that we're moving from glory to glory. Like we're in this spot, but next week we'll be in this spot. And maybe if we, maybe in the next year we can be in this spot. And then, you know, 10 years down the road we'll be. We're not evolving, guys. We're not Darwinists. Evolutionary thought should not be our thought process of the word. Darwinism is not the interpreter of scripture. There's two glories in this chapter. The glory of the old covenant that faded and the glory that surpassed it in the new covenant. And we moved from glory to glory. From the weak glory to the full glory. We're not trying to advance in some kind of idea of evolutionary glory. We are in Christ and can't get more glorious than being in Christ. Whoop, whoop. The glory that we are in is at its fullest. So we're not evolving into more glory. We are awakening to the fullness of glory we're already in. We've been transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. We are living from full glory, not trying to get to more glory. By the transforming of your mind. So now you don't live life trying to get better. You live life to more and more freedoms of the glory that's in you. Because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is. So you're actually free to be the full glory of who you are. You have this hope, so you're bold. You don't have to keep sitting back, wondering and waiting. Do I have what it takes? Yes, you have what it takes. You have full glory. We're not in evolutionary glory. The progress of glory of this new renaissance is not a progress of glory, meaning we're at lesser measure of glory, and somehow we're going to go from level one glory to level ten glory. The progress of glory is to understand we're at level ten glory, and we're going to awaken and become aware of that to the degree that it releases through us in a progressive way. First thing I woke up this morning in the hotel room right down there to comfort suites, wherever that is. I woke up and stumbled my way to the bathroom and I just heard the song, let us become more aware of your presence. Let us become, how's that song go? That's all, you all know it, sing it, that's good. That's what I woke up with. I was like, 
Become more aware. Become more aware. I can't sing, so I'm not going to sing it for you. Become more aware. Become more aware. And all day long, it's just about becoming more aware because the reality is, is we're at full glory and our becoming more aware of it will allow it to be unlocked through us so that we actually shape that which is around us in the measure of glory that's flowing through us. Can you hear that? So this renaissance is three-dimensional. It's cube-shaped. It's the cube of the new renaissance. The goodness of Father, the beauty of sonship, and the progress of glory. And Gateway is being invited into this new renaissance. Gateway is being invited into what will goodness reshape you to be like? What will the beauty of sonship look like lived out through your life? What will the glory, the fullness of glory that you're in, what will that do to the situations around you? That's what this house has an opportunity to live in, to live out, and be a gateway into this region for. I want to be a part of that. I want to be in that. I'm with you in it. We're in this together. How can we do this together? How can we see the water level of the new renaissance rise in this region? It takes awakening. It takes reformation. And it takes those that won't stay at reformation, but will go on to say, now I'll build out of the fullness of the glory of what I, what I already am. Can you hear that? Let's just make this kind of response tonight. If you're open to the new renaissance, will you stand to your feet? Let us become more aware of your presence. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. More aware of your presence. Let us become. Come on, do it again. Listen to these words. More aware of your glory, God. Your good. Come on, do it again. Raise the volume. More aware of your Let us. God, you're awesome, and tonight we say, here are sons and daughters. Here we are, we've been around your table all weekend, looking at you, listening to your voice and seeing your heart. And tonight we recognize, we become aware of your heartbeat for a new renaissance in the earth. The fresh encounter we've had this weekend has been fresh revelation that is given fresh encounter and it's fresh encounter that's brought fresh revelation because our head has been offended to get to our heart and our heart is coming forward as our mind is coming backwards so that we're balanced in the place of being those that allow our minds to shape our hearts and allows our hearts to shape our minds Because we're renaissance thinkers, we're renaissance creators, we're renaissance artists. Tim, that's why I told you those points you shared with me the other night on the artistic soul is the language of this renaissance. Because those that possess the react, those that can see past their mind and capture with their heart the glory that we're already in, 
will have their mind shaped by that glory so you can live it out amongst men. So tonight in this house, we announce that a renaissance is at hand. And we announce out of the first state, come on, can you think beyond this house now with me? Come on, can you become part of the assignment of heaven that is beyond this house and into this region and even into the nations of the earth? Tonight, God, we say in the name of Jesus, out of the first state, out of the, out of the, uh, out of the, the, what's the word I'm looking for? The prototype. God, you said first apostles, then prophets, the prototype, the prototypical. Tonight we say out of the first state, the anointing of the first. We say in Jesus' name, out of this gateway, a renaissance is released in this nation. Come on, someone can believe this with me, right? Someone can step into faith with me and let some actions come out of you right now by words coming out of your mouth, actions by declarations into a nation. Come on, I can't hear you. You can speak words into America that a renaissance is at hand, that the awakening that we're in is, has been able to then be coupled with a reformation, that now we say the third layer, the third dimension of that which the kingdom is doing in the earth is being set in place. We've had the, we've had the width in place, we've had the height in place, but now the depth comes into place of this cube and we say God that in America that those that are of the kingdom are rising through awakening they're rising through a reformation and they're rising into a renaissance we call those out of the darkness out of the shadows we call those that are underneath bridges and out somewhere tonight trapped with a bottle in their hand we say to those young ladies that are in places they are never meant to be in we say that there are those that are coming out of those situations to lead a renaissance in the earth. We say that which will not cross over at this crossroad will find itself down to the place of decay and obsolete. We say that those that will not move in awakening and reformation and step into renaissance will become obsolete in the decades ahead. God, we say that that which wants to continue to pronounce you and to project you as something that you're not will not find traction in future days ahead. But God, we say in the name of Jesus that the glory of your goodness is becoming made aware of at large. It's becoming that which you're famous for. We say, God, let us make you famous in the earth for the goodness of who you are. We say, God, that in the most fatherless generation that we know of, that it is the hour that you're unlocking the father heart of who you are because it is the fatherless wound is the epidemic in the earth. It's not drugs. It's not the trafficking. It's not divorce. It's not. It's not. It's not orientation. That is not the crisis. The crisis of the day is fatherlessness, and so this is the hour that you are pouring out the solution to the problem of our day. And the solution to the problem of our day is the reality of your father heart. So God, tonight out of this house, may this house become a champion of the goodness of Father. Come on, come on, Gateway. May this house be a champion of the goodness of Father. May this house be a champion of the beauty of sonship. May this house be a champion.
champion for the progress of glory. And I say over Tim and Carrie, this is your hour to lead in ways you've never led before. This is your time to step into what you've been dreaming to step into. This is your moment to go where you feel uncomfortable to go, but you know you have to go there. And this is the time that this house gets behind your leadership in ways it has not yet got behind your leadership. And this is the time that there is an openness to move with the momentum of the renaissance that's at hand for the awakening does not have to take a long time. Even the reformation does not have to necessarily take a long time because you are aimed at renaissance. You have the language of this Woo! You have the language of this hour for heaven is releasing a new tone both sonically and visually. We're going to hear differently and see differently so we can function differently. And we say, and I announce over your life, you have the language of an artist because you have the language of the heart. And we say it's time for you to move past just that which is intellectual and look smartsy, which is good. But it's time that the language of your heart comes forward because you carry language that's needed in this hour of renaissance. You've been waiting for this. You've been waiting for this hour. This is what you've been built for all the years, all the decades, all the heartaches, all the trials, all the pain, all the hell has been has been building for this moment. This is the hour of renaissance. This is the hour for which you're made for. This is the hour of the way all those things fire inside of you and all those things that go all over the place that happen on the inside of you because you're not afraid of a mess and a renaissance is not always nice and neat. It's a pretty messy situation, a birthing. And we say over you as one who's experienced the birthing of five children because it's the grace of God. Jesus, help me. The five is always the prophetic number of grace and there's a grace on you to birth that which is okay to be messy and a little bit challenging at times because renaissance is about birthing, not making perfect. Woo! So we say over this house, This is your time. This is your time. You've renamed. You've re-identified. Now you're to refocus. Refocus in two ways. Refocus, meaning your focus is coming together. You're you're coming back to focus. Refocus, you're coming back to focus. But that which you've been focused on is going to be different. So you're going to refocus. You're going to get focus again, but you're going to get focus on something different. So we say over you, this is your time. I don't know. Okay, maybe I do know how to say this. It's important that I'm... I'm trusting that you know my heart enough by our time together. Is that okay? So this is a time... Because, because of the assignment on my life for this new renaissance, I'm, a, I'm keenly aware, like, it, it's, cra- it's like messing with me. I'm keenly aware of when I hear the right sound and right tone of this renaissance. I can hear people saying good things, but it's an entirely wrong tone. In the hearts of this generation, will not receive right words in the wrong tone. There is a tone that we must tap into And it's not the tone of harshness. It's the tone of harmony. We've got to get out of dissonance. 
and move into harmony. We've got to dial into the frequency of what's moving from the heart of Father. And I'm going to say this to this house maybe the best way I know how to say it. Your pastor has the right tone. Your pastor has the right language. Your pastor has a harmony going. I don't even know him that well, but as soon as I met him sitting at his dining room table, I was going, oh my God, you've brought me to one. And so I'm trying to say to this house, it's not, I'm not, it's not in the, and I know uh, what I sense in my heart, I know this house isn't built on a hierarchical structure. It's built on a relational structure. So it's not trying to prop one human. Am I making sense? But I am telling you that you as a house are blessed with a leader who has been designed for this renaissance. And if you desire to be a part in, in this renaissance, then it's your, your requirement to find yourself in alignment. In a line, can you hear this? In alignment. I had to get my car aligned before I got here as a prophetic statement. It's an alignment situation so that you can move correctly. It's an alignment behind that which Father is releasing through a renaissance leader known as your pastor. Can you hear that? So this house, I know when I come back on another time, there's going to be such an, a, a flourishing situation coming out of here because alignment and because of uh, Tim and Carrie's embrace that this, this is like what they've been looking for. Can you hear that? This is like what's been in their heart, but maybe they haven't found the right way to knit it together. <laughs> the right way to knit that thing together, but there's something out of this that's knitting together because this house is designed for renaissance. So God, tonight, I better get done. God, we thank you for what you've released this weekend. In my heart, I affirm and say, I've had a fresh encounter. I don't know if it looked like anything I thought it would look like, I don't know if it walked out any way that I had, I don't even know that I had preconceived notions, but I probably did. But nonetheless, I've loved the way you've orchestrated things, God. Thank you for a hub of renaissance. Thank you for allowing me to meet a renaissance leader. Thank you for allowing me to meet a renaissance house. We'll live from the glory that you put us in. A glory, it's at full measure. We do not evolve into sons. We are full sons at the moment of birth. So God, we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Tim, I guess you can take it from there. Yeah, um, that was uncomfortable for me because I don't like to be affirmed very well and I don't like to be criticized, so I'm just saying. Don't look at me. Okay, so I want that so bad. I want, I want Gateway to run after this thing of, of 
fasting and praying and, and, and seeking and finding and knowing and relearning how to do family, how to do community. I want to see the gifts that are placed in you help the people around you see Jesus and see the Father. I really want to see, I see so many callings when I look around our, our little family here. And I want to see us networked with the broader body of Christ that's locally. I want to see the nations reached. I want to see, I want to see missionaries sent out. I, I, like I, I really don't want us to waste our life running after the American dream at all. I, it's a lie. It's boring. I really want us to, to press into kingdom, to make Jesus priority one. And uh, So when you're talking about renaissance, I'm going... I don't quite know yet what you mean by that, but I can tell you what I have been yearning for, and, it's, and it sounds like what you're talking about, you know. So thank you for your patience tonight. But can, can some folk that want to pray a blessing on Eric come up here and, and do that before he's allowed to escape? Uh, that would be awesome. So, uh, when you, when, while you're preaching, you would get all passionate, and you're like, Ah, I relate to that. <laughs> it's like, should I just explode or <laughs> just vaporize and be like Enoch? Okay. All right. Love you guys. Please do. Don't, don't let him escape without putting, putting some hands on the man and, and, and praying for him and blessing him. Oh, yes. And the mass has ended. Go in peace.